This podcast is brought to you by Fear Free, the initiative that takes the pet out of petrified and puts treat into treatment. Learn more at fearfreepets.com. This is the Fear Free podcast series. I'm your host, Steve Dale. And the great thing about being the host for this, well, I'll tell you, there are several great things. One is I get to talk about Fear Free all the time, and I love doing that. But the other is on occasion I have the opportunity to talk with friends. And Mikkel Becker is an old friend, lead animal trainer for Fear Free Happy Homes and for Fear Free, a superstar dog trainer who I see on occasion out on the speaking circuit. How are you, Mikkel? I'm doing really well. Thanks, Steve. You know, it was a couple of years ago that I spoke for Pet Centers International. That's one of the two organizations that certifies pet sitters. And I said, it's coming. Fear Free is coming. Well, now I believe it's here. Yes, we've launched and we're all ready to go. All right. And launch of what? Explain what we're talking about. The Pet Sitter Certification Course. So this is a course just like we have for the veterinary professional, for the animal trainer, for the groomer. This is a certification course directed specifically for pet sitters. And it's all about ways you can bring fear free to your clients and have a fear free experience with pets in your care. And it really encompasses everything from intake and finding the client, helping to inform them about what fear free is all about, having a fear free first meet and greet and being able to have that transition from the pet parent to you be fear free as well as the care in the home, making that a more fear-free experience. Because for any pet sitter that's experienced the difficulty and the distress that can come from trying to give a pet meds that isn't cooperative with that type of process, it can be really a struggle. And so there are different ways to make that more fear-free, to lower that stress of that experience for the pet and for yourself, and ways to really have an all-encompassing experience that provides well-being for the pet. So lots of enrichment and just little changes you can make to their environment, to interactions, to their routines, to really better their life, have a really happy experience. And ultimately, it's the pet that provides the feedback on their experience. And that's what Fear Free is all about, is providing that better experience for that pet by lowering their fear, anxiety, and stress, and providing those feelings of well-being and just that joy. And there's so much in the course that that's really all about that. So I think that people will be really pleased when they go through it. Well, I can even add one more thing to all of that. And that is, you know, 2020 was a tough year, understatement for pet sitters. I mean, maybe the most challenging ever. And if you're still doing that, congratulations to you if you're a pet sitter for hanging in there. But this is a way you can market, which we'll talk about, what you do. I mean, using that logo on your website if you're certified, and that too is advantageous. So not only is it important in what you do, actually working with the pets and working with the clients, but actually can help build your business as well, which we'll talk about. So you mentioned that first introduction. So we live in a condo building. We're on the fifth story. It's a very old building. Maybe that's why this prospective pet sitter from I don't know, Mikkel, maybe it was four or five years ago, maybe longer, uh, took the stairs and not our rickety old elevator. I don't know. So he's coming up the stairs on our first time meeting him. And he sounded okay on the telephone. And he comes up the stairs. And, you know, when people, when dogs see people for the first time, they sometimes bark. 
and one of our mm -hmm. two dogs, and then both dogs, because when one does it, the other does it, we're going woof, 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 woof at the guy. It was not, mm -hmm. you'll have to trust me here. It wasn't aggression in any way. It was just, okay, someone's coming up the stairs. I'm really excited. Yep. Who could this yep. be that's about to turn the corner? I don't know yet. So they begin the bark and he turns the corner. He looks at the dogs and then his body language was exactly what I don't think you would expect. He gets really stiff and he, and he walks very, very quickly up the rest of the stairs and walks right in front of the dogs and then doesn't squat down, doesn't do any of that stuff that you're about to tell me I think that you're supposed to do, and doesn't even greet me. He's clearly afraid. That's not exactly ideal, I don't think. And, you know, the impression that I got is, okay, my dogs are telling me something. My wife got the same impression. So you tell me, walk through how that could have been handled in a more fear-free manner. Mm-hmm. So, so what I'm guessing is you probably have a certain way that your dogs were more comfortable with you, with the person coming up. So maybe it was the elevator that they were more accustomed to. Maybe that was, was that kind of more of, of what they were used to people, um, how they would come up to normally greet you was yeah. in the hallway yeah. and yep. Okay. And through the elevator. So that's one thing is, is first prearranging the place that you want to meet. And for some pets, it's actually going to be perhaps outside. It's going to be out in the park. It's going to be in a more open area. Or in, in that situation, if your dogs are accustomed to meeting people outside of the elevator, then we want to prearrange that. So we want to know exactly where to greet them and also to know, do they have any, any specific stressors? So some dogs are, actually most dogs are going to be very stressed out for the hand reaching out and towards them. And especially when it's going over the head where they can't see it's very scary and sudden and so it's really all about not not encroaching upon that pet's personal space bubble letting them actually close in that final approach and also lowering yourself when it's safe to do so to more of the pet's level so it might be sitting down on a bench or kneeling down having your body at a 45 or a 75 degree angle to the pet. So it's turned slightly, so it's less threatening. So you're making yourself smaller, you're turning slightly away. A lot of times as humans, we approach someone, we do that direct handshake, that direct eye contact. It's very forward to a dog that's extremely rude and threatening. So we wanna really do what works best in their language, which is going to be showing signs of just that we're not a threat, you know, that we're friendly. And so we are avoiding that direct eye contact, perhaps just moments of, of eye contact, but then looking away and also having those really good treats. So prearranging with the pet parent on what types of treats your pet really likes, having those in store, having those right there on us. And also if that pet knows any tricks or if they have a greeting routine, we want to know that beforehand. So that way we can actually do that during that, that initial meet and greet. All right, the same, uh, and so you're saying it was partially on me for not meeting them outside, and you have a very good point about that. But let's uh, give this, again, a real-life example. This wasn't our house. This was a friend of mine who said she has two cats, and the pet sitter, prospective cat, pet sitter, she was never hired, comes over. One of those two cats is your typical quote-unquote Frady cat. So the other cat was just doing what that cat does best during the day, sleep. And then the other cat, when the person walked through the door, dived under the sofa. The prospective pet sitter actually reached under the sofa to pull out the cat. And this person, uh, probably 70-something years old, 
Kitty, kitty, kitty loves kitties. Then on top of it, the person had trouble getting up and fell down almost on the cat. So that is a perhaps, oh I know, an extreme example, but I bet you can make some points out of that. Absolutely. So that's another really great point. So when we're working with cats, you know, it's all about just letting them come out at their own pace, showing that you're not a threat. It's, I mean, there's that joke that the person that doesn't like cats is going to be the one that the cats gravitate towards. Right. And it's so true. It's because they're, they're not really looking at the cat. They're not paying attention to the cat. And that's going to be the person the cat finds the least threatening. And so it's all about letting the cat come out at their own pace, definitely never dragging the cat out. You know, you can leave a little trail of treats perhaps, or you can use a coaxer such as a toy, but it's all about removing that pressure. And so one of the best things you can do is simply playing hard to get and ignoring that cat until they come up at their own pace. And I, th I think that one thing that people get wrong as just a, a normal person interacting with the pet or a pet sitter is when the dog comes up to sniff or the cat comes up to rub themselves on your legs, they a lot of times will take that as an invitation to pet the, the animal. However, that animal a lot of times is just taking in more information. They're still trying to feel safe. They're still good. The cat's still going to go investigate the bag or sniff the shoes. Like they're not ready for that petting yet. So it's all about watching the pet signals to see at what point are they ready for more interaction and by removing that pressure and not forcing that greeting too soon, you're really going to build that animal's trust in you and build that relationship in a better way than forcing yourself on the pet too soon. And in fact, uh, most people who uh, are behavior consultants or trainers increasingly have this philosophy, which is very different than a couple of TV dog trainers. And that is always, I, I don't need to see, especially for cats, I don't need to see the behavior that the person is complaining about. I don't even need necessarily to see the cat with dogs, even to some extent. And I always, always, always let the pet come to me. Is it the same when you're a, a pet sitter and visiting that house for the first time? Absolutely. It definitely is. It, it Just as you mentioned, we don't want to force that pet into a situation where they're forced to react, where they're forced to show that problem behavior. It's all about removing that pressure. It, one thing, actually, when we think about even the greeting and when you first meet the pet, when we arrive as the pet sitter, we are texting that person or we're calling them to let them know that we arrived versus knocking at the door or ringing the doorbell, which is going to cause that eruption of barking or for the cat, the cat may flee underneath the bed or under the couch. We want to try and remove those triggers as much as possible, those things that cause the animal to become upset and really introduce ourselves in a different way that removes all of that pressure. That's a really good idea. Uh, let's use the technology that we all use anyway. Uh, you know, we don't have the time uh, to go through everything in the modules. Uh, and we'll talk in a moment about how to find those modules and how to go about doing it. And I do want to talk about marketing and how you can use, in a sense, your fear-free certification to help your business. But you mentioned something that pet sitters probably have nightmares about on occasion, and that is pilling a pet. And mm -hmm. probably we're talking cats, but dogs too on occasion. Uh, is there a best way to do this? Now, you know, the pet sitter may be known to the animal. Maybe that person has pet sit a number of times, but it's still not like the person, the pet parent, if you will, who lives with that pet every single day and pills that pet every single day. So here's an 
somewhat unfamiliar, maybe very unfamiliar person trying to do the same thing. Do you have any tips? <clears throat> Absolutely. There are so many different ways to try and put the pill in the pet rather than the pill ending up on the floor. And so a couple of things to think about. One way is really helping to disguise that medication. And as you mentioned, some pets are really good at this. One of the tricks that we like to do is called the one, two, three trick. And this is where you have the promise, then you have the deed, and then you have the chaser. So <laughs> essentially, yes. I know it kind of reminds me a little bit of college there, but... <laughs> <laughs> or or uh, or a night out with Dr. Marty Becker, but that's a whole nother story. So explain, exp I know what you're talking about, but explain what you mean. So the promise is an empty, it's just a plain treat. So just a treat with nothing in it. And so ideally we have at least three treats, but you can have any number of treats in this order. But the whole thing that we want to think about is you are sandwiching that treat, uh, the treat that has the pill on the inside, you're sandwiching that in between empty treats that are only treats. So that way the pet becomes less suspicious. And one thing we can even do is some pets are so good at picking out like just those little tiny bumps in the, the medication or uh, the signal medication. So we can do things like even taking like crunchy peanut butter that almost seems like it has pills on the inside, or even taking, say that you are using wet cat food, you can put a little bit of like kibble on the inside of that and give that to the cat first. So something that they aren't as suspicious that, oh, when I get something that's that's a little bit bigger size, that means it's the medication. We wanna try and disguise actual treats inside of other treats to lessen that cat's suspicion or that dog's suspicion that there is a pill inside of that. And so it's literally just practicing giving the treats to the pet, having them feel comfortable with that. Once they're comfortable, then we're just gonna slip in that, the pill that's covered that's on the inside of another treat. And then right after we're following up with that chaser. So that chaser is going to be a really tasty treat and even tastier one perhaps. And then maybe a couple of others right after. So something that's really quick, easy to eat, but it's given right after the pill is given. So that way it's even more enticing and exciting. Now, you know, some pet sitters, I mean, hopefully you're busy if you're pet sitting. I want you to be. So let's say, you know, you're just working on a tight time schedule uh, and say, you know, uh, this may sound okay, but I don't have time to do all that. Is it worth the investment of some time at the, at, at the beginning end and, and then at the end you, you will benefit because it won't take as much time? Oh, absolutely. That, that's the thing that we found out with Fear Free is with Fear Free in the veterinary hospital, for instance, really you ultimately are saving time and resources because rather than needing to struggle to hold a pet down to do procedures with multiple people, if you just put in that time on the front end to build that animal's trust, it goes so much faster in the end. And it's safer for the person, safer for the pet. A lot of times when pets are so stressed out, a lot of times they are likely to to lash out defensively. And so what we're doing by building that trust and earning that animal's willing cooperation is we are making it a safer process. And it's really all about doing what works best for that pet. So while the one, two, three trick can work really well for some pets, perhaps some it, another type of, of treating method will work better. One other little quick trick is even putting their medication, you can find out beforehand from the pet's parent, from the vet, if it's okay to crush some of the medications. Some of those you can put on the inside of tuna juice and shake it up. Some of those can be compounded beforehand. That's something you can work out with a pet parent to find if there's a different compounding method that can can put that in a treat form so it doesn't have that icky taste. 
even putting that on the inside of an empty gelatin capsule. So that way the pet doesn't taste that icky taste of medication. Sometimes it's just bitter, gross. It's almost like you are, you know, you're eating some raspberries, you get a really sour, icky raspberry and you're like, Ooh, I don't, I don't feel like I want any more. We want to try and avoid that distaste and that aversion from the pet. So trying to put that on the inside of an empty gelatin capsule and then covering that in a treat, that can be really helpful too. So there are different ways that we can really disguise that medication and give that to the pet in a more fear-free way. And you know what I think is the opposite of fear-free would be the kind of just get it done approach, you know, where you're literally holding down even a little dog. Now think about this. If you're a pet sitter and have done this, you know what I'm talking about. Holding down even, let's say a 15 or 20 pound dog, not a particularly large dog, and you're holding that dog down and you're stuffing the treat inside or a cat, a couple of things happen as a result. You mentioned trust, that goes away, but also your back hurts probably. And even, yeah, even for a 20 pound dog. So if your back hurts after that ordeal, imagine what the dog's back feels like. Can you comment on that? Oh, absolutely. And unfortunately, I've heard of so many cases where the animal ends up injured. And especially when you're dealing with senior pets, they just little twist of their back. It can be a really big deal. And it's it's very scary for them, painful. And it's anything that causes pain, that causes fear, anxiety, and stress. What happens is the next time you go around to do that, that pet is going to be less likely to cooperate, more fearful. It's not even a willingness of on their own to be like, okay, I'm not going to do that this time. Like I know what happened last time. It's, it's just an automatic reaction. Anytime we have pain, we have any type of fear. We just automatically, it's just right there, brainstem level reaction. And so those pets, it's not like they are willingly trying to be defiant or to be stubborn. It's just, they literally are reacting from survival mode. And when they go into survival mode, it's that rational thought goes away. They're just in that reaction mode. Mm -hmm. And you call it lizard brain thinking when they just really aren't thinking. And that's when they are far more likely to injure themselves, to injure you, and to make it this process where it's just difficult, it's stressful, and fear-free is helping to remove that stress for the pet and helping to remove that stress for the client and to remove that stress for you because well-being is is really, you want to enjoy what you're doing and you don't want to be in the in feeling like you're going into a battle every day when you're working with pets. You want it to be enjoyable for them and to be enjoyable for you. Yeah, particularly true for pet sitters. Now, uh, Let's say you are a pet sitter, and yes, 2020 was a tough year, and uh, you're still in it. Wonderful. Uh, But you want to market what you do. Can Fear Free, having that logo up on your website, being able to tell clients, I am Fear Free certified, and also go to Fear Free Happy Homes for more information about what I do. Does all of that, do you think, make a difference? Oh, it makes a huge difference. There is, just like with animal trainers, there is just a a wave, a a huge just pool of pet sitters, a huge pool of animal trainers. It's hard for people to know, okay, what, what constitutes a quality professional? Like, how do I know the difference between the two? And Fear Free really provides a way to see that and provides a way for veterinary providers to see that, for other animal trainers, for other 
uh, other pet sitters, for groomers to see that. So Fear Free is all about a network of support for the pet. And Fear Free is a really well-known, readily recognized name in the veterinary industry and a growing one in all of the pet industry. And so it provides a standard of the type of care that you're willing to provide for pets. And one of the things that we look at with Fear Free is the way that you're interacting with pets and the types of tools that you're using with them. And there's a, a given standard with that. And we are looking at tools that protect that pet's emotional well-being rather than compromising that. And so there's really a, a standard of trust, a standard of quality care that's given under that Fear Free name and under that logo. And one thing that they that you will find is once you've taken the course and you certify, you get to list your name on the location searchable directory for Fear Free. So you will be one of the Fear Free certified pet, pet sitters in your area. So it's something that's really easy for clients to search. It's a great way to market yourself to other professionals, such as veterinary offices that you want to coordinate your services with. And I really advise that too, because the more that you can partner with other quality providers, it's really sending referrals in their direction, getting those referrals back and Fear Free provides a way to do that. That gives you that recognition and just that standard quality that that person can trust. That's an excellent point. How do you go about finding those modules? So you go on fearfreepets.com and you can look under other pet professionals and go down there on, on the Fear Free Pet site and you'll be able to see Pet Sitter Course and just click on that and you'll see all of the information on there. And the certification is... 199 for to take the certification course to become fear free certified if you've done fear free before say that you've taken the fear free veterinary course and you're certified fear free for that then it's just 99 to switch over and to get your fear free pet sitter certification and then annually the the renewal is $39 so very affordable and you get access to all of our fear free education so it's amazing the wealth of information that we have on there and the amount of new courses that are coming out and just the the support that's there and there's really community support as well so we have a huge Facebook group of certified professionals where there is just a wealth of information and just really great feedback so you have that support from other fear-free certified professionals and as well as that ongoing education that is encouraged for the fear-free pet sitter. All true, of course, and webinars as well. Uh, so that's fearfreepets.com if you want to be certified. And the way, exactly the way Mikkel said, tell me about fearfreehappyhomes.com, a different website for a different purpose. Yes, yeah, so Fear Free Happy Homes is an amazing website. I'm super proud of it. It is an all vetted website that has great information, great articles and videos all about any aspect of a pet's life. So this could be dealing with different behavior issues. My dog is jumping up. My dog is barking. My dog is not coming when called to dealing with certain situations with your cat. Perhaps your cat's scratching the furniture or you just want to better understand why your cat does what they do. Why, why do they, why does my cat bite me sometimes when I'm petting them? Why does my cat like to attack my feet? There's a great information on there and, and great ways to just better your pet's well-being. So some really easy 
do-it-yourself enrichment ideas. And this is all great free information. And for the pet sitter, this is really an, an excellent resource to be able to share with your clients, to teach them about pet body language, to be able to teach them about different things that they can do to better their pet's life. And I think that's one thing as the pet sitter, it's really and doing well by doing good. So you are really able to market yourself as a fear-free professional to give yourself that quality, to give yourself that, that type of trust that people want to keep going back to. But you're also being able to improve that pet's life during your stay and just during those interactions. Because every interaction we have with a pet has the ability to improve that pet's life for for the better. And every interaction really does make a difference with them. And so one of the ways that we can help those pets, even when we're gone, is being able to direct them to those resources and being able to provide those resources of support for how like easy ways to improve the cat's environment. Cats have very basic needs that a lot of times aren't met. And that's one of the things that we can do is just being able to provide people those great resources that can really help them out. Well, now you know why she's the lead animal trainer for Fear Free Happy Homes. Mikkel Becker, thank you so much. And I am certain that pet sitters will be right there. At least I hope so, because it will make a difference not only in what you do, but also you'll be doing it more often because it will help your business. Thank you so much, Mikkel. Oh, thank you so much, Steve. Such a joy. Thank you. Now, if you're already registered for Fear Free, be sure to keep up with all the Fear Free happenings. Access the new toolbox items and find all the additional courses like the one we talked about at fearfreepets.com. And, of course, if you're not registered, find everything you need to get started at fearfreepets.com. Now, if you're a member interested in pursuing practice certification, get more details on the same site under the Veterinary About section. And if you're a pet owner who just stumbled upon this podcast... You can learn more about the resources we have for you at fearfreehappyhomes.com.